Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? There are few figures in ufology as controversial as Stan Romanek. There hardly seems to be any form of contact with an otherworldly presence that Stan hasn't allegedly had. But is he just a con artist faking these events for attention, as many claim? Or is there more to his story than meets the eye? Join myself and Neil here on Aliens Explored as we discuss the intriguing case of Stan Romanin. Hello listeners and welcome back to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at all things mysterious in the skies and beyond. I'm one of your hosts, Neil Kelly. And I'm your other host, Stu Jackson. And uh, yeah, you, you actually prepared that intro today. No, I didn't know, but I'm, I'm kind of getting the hang of it now. You know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't do a Boris Johnson and burble and mumble and <laughs> yes, so much anymore. So whiff waff, yeah. <laughs> something in that in man we dat cognitio virus. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah, we've got. Quite an interesting episode this week, haven't we? But uh, but how have you been keeping? I know you've been you've been away, haven't you? I've, I've been abroad. I've been. I went to Holland for the weekend to meet my new grandson, who was born in November, and I met his dad for the first time as well. Uh, hey. I, I, I already knew my daughter quite well. Um, yes, <laughs> um, and as a consequence, um, I am now self isolating. I'm, I've been forced to self-isolate for 10 days, although this is day five, so if I wanted to, if, if I suddenly had a reason to, I, I would be allowed to pay probably about 150 quid for a, a PCR test to be released from captivity, um, which something I would only do if there was a good reason to go out, if, for instance, if someone offered me a good job that I'd have to be out for. But here's here, this is something that our viewers in the UK, oh, listeners, sorry, let's say our listeners <laughs> in the UK might find very expensive. If, you, if you're thinking of going abroad, there's an extra sting in the tail because you have to pay, you have to pay for a PCR test within 72 hours of departure. Um, a, a normal NHS one is not good enough, so I travelled to Holland on the Eurostar, so I paid about 130 quid. If you're flying somewhere. You have to pay for an even more expensive one, a fit-to-fly test. It's the same test, but it you know you, you have to pay more, and that makes it more valid. What you don't and, and you think that's it, and the, under the rules, I, I, I was able to get there and back on that one test. If, if you spend if you spend fewer than three days in the country, then you can come back. You don't need another test before you come back. But what you don't know is that what as soon as you go abroad. Um, you'll receive an email from the government saying you need to complete 
a passenger locator form in order to make your journey back. And this is this will be examined at passport control on your way back. But in order to be able to complete the online form, you have to actually book two more tests, one for day eight and one for one for day two and one for day eight of your isolation, which doesn't allow you to do anything. You just have to book those and pay for them. It cost me an extra 200 quid in order to be able to complete the form to be able to go through the passport control. And then I, I got these two tests in the post. So I did one yesterday because it arrived late and I've got another one to do on what's it, Monday. I have to do another one on Monday. Mm. But yeah, so there's that extra little expense which you won't find out about until you've actually set off on your journey. So um, mm. I'm deliver delivering a public service here. I don't think I'm letting any cats out of the bag. I think I'm just, <laughs> let, just letting people know what they need to know. That's, uh, I mean, yeah, they should tell you about these things up front, mm. absolutely. Um, but I, I must admit, I, and I know, um, and probably many of our listeners will be, perhaps, maybe I'm, I'm making assumptions here, I don't know. I know some listeners certainly will be against the idea of, you know, passenger location forms mm. and, you know, being tracked and, and what have you. But I'm, I must admit, I'm... I'm very much on the side of when it comes to COVID. Now, anything that discourages people from traveling or going outside. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, meeting your grandson—that's a huge mm. thing, and that's a that's a good, valid reason for traveling. But I don't think it should be easy well, either. Here's another thing about that: I was only able to go because the Dutch government um, passed legislation saying, "Well, we're going to make it no, yeah, people from outside the EU aren't allowed in." But uh, and then they, they passed legislation to make exceptions. And they said anyone visiting a grandchild, uh, I don't know if they specified for a first visit, but it would have been a first visit, a grandchild who has been born since March 2020 um, is allowed in. I, I had to complete these forms. Um, I had to sign them and my, my daughter had to sign a page and send it to me so I could have it all together. Mm. It was never once checked by anyone. Okay, um, but you're always under the risk of, you know, if it's spot checks, yeah, but you're under the risk of it being checked, uh, which I think, fair enough. Um, um, but I, I was I, asked I, a few times, because, I mean, you go by Eurostar, um, it means that in London you go through French border control, and then you're in the Schengen hmm. area, so you don't go through any more border controls. No. Um, so the, the French border control officer asked me, uh, what's the purpose of your visit? And I said, get visit. I'm going to meet my grandson. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. And, mm. and, and off I went. And then on the way back, because at Amsterdam now, they actually have passport control on the station. They've set up a little office at the end of the platform. Previously, you would just get on the Eurostar like a normal train, and then you would go through passport control in Brussels. Now they've moved it to Amsterdam. So Amsterdam, I went through um, first British, first French, sorry, first Dutch, and then British control. And they both asked me, "What was the purpose of your visit?" And I said, "Come to meet my grandson." They said, "Oh, that's lovely." Didn't ask for anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, like I said, that's fair enough. But that's yeah. the thing about spot checks is you never know if you're going to be no. sort of required to provide this evidence. But I, I get. I don't know. I, I I'm at the extreme end of the spectrum when it comes to COVID. I think that. To be honest, we should all be staying indoors unless, you know, your, your job is one where people will die if you don't do it. Mm. Um, you know, but we should all be staying indoors until everyone has had both 
vaccinations and waited the th- and waited three weeks. People, mm. people think, oh, when I've had my second injection, that's it. No, no, no. Three weeks after, that's when you're okay yeah. uh, to to go out. But until everybody's had that, it's it's oh. a minefield out there. So I am at the extreme end. But but I hear about like I've got two friends who have started new relationships during <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> Now, gr- good luck to them. And yeah. I'm, I'm very happy for them. And I don't want this to sound wrong. Mm. But it's like, hang on, I haven't seen my own partner since, like, 3rd of December. Mm. I- I'm not Because she lives in the next I- county. I-, I-, I live in the same house and I'm not supposed to go anywhere near <laughs> her for 10 days. Yeah, there you go. But, um, but here's you know, a- so how can you start a new relationship if you're actually really following the rules? And I'm a stickler for... When it comes to COVID, I'm a stickler for following the rules. One of the slogans, of, of, the, of the many slogans that we've heard since this pandemic started, was um, nobody's safe until everybody's safe. So basically there's this big drive to get the vaccines out into um, underdeveloped countries. Yep. Into, and into, right behind in, that. Into Africa and into Asia. But uh, a friend of mine has a, has a Nigerian wife... Who, who who was able to put a very different perspective on that? That in Nigeria, life is so bloody dangerous. There, are, there is such a, a constant threat of violence and wild animals and really nasty diseases that people don't really care that much about COVID. It's not. Um, it, it's it's quite low on the list of threats to life out there. But it what it is, it's our government's concerned about COVID. Uh, spreading and mutating out there and then coming back to hit yes. us that's the concern well it's not our government doesn't suddenly care about nigerians they care about what might happen in nigeria that comes back to us well i do you know what i i can understand that because yes i i get from the nigerian perspective that um that there are bigger more realistic dangers to worry about on a day-to-day basis but looking at the global picture hmm you know, it, it's not so much kind of what happens to the Nigerians on a day-to-day basis. I'm, I'm not dismissing that. I know mm. that's very important. But as well, you know, it's about them transmitting it to other countries yeah. as well. And and the bigger, wider picture. Do you know what we, we've... Right, we've <laughs> spent 10 minutes nearly yeah. and we haven't even mentioned today's topic. Mm. Let's mention today's topic. <laughs> it's rather a controversial topic. Um, it's mm. it's um, a, a chap called Stan... Romanek, or does he pronounce it Romanek? Uh, Romanek, I believe. Romanek. Um, I, I know Americans will tend to pronounce their way their names in. So apologies to any Americans listening, but uh, the, the Americans do um, do tend to have their own pronunciations of, of European names that uh, Europeans might, yes. might say them differently. So Romanek, he calls himself, and it's aluminium. Uh, well, actually, um, <laughs> no. Uh, apparently, aluminum is more correct. That um, that in, in Britain we've made it. We call it aluminium, so that it it, it lines up nicely with other elements like um, cadmium and barium, and it, it has the the nice yes. im ending. But actually, apparently, aluminium is the more correct. All right. Well, I was just yeah. making a joke. I, I know you were topic a joke. again already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait till I get. We on can't to, stay on topic. Wait till I get Ow. on to tinfoil hats. <laughs> we, yeah. have, yeah. we have a lot to talk about so, with, with Stan, don't we? So we're going to talk about Stan, who um, um, he's the subject of a movie which um, in the UK is free to watch on Amazon Prime. 
It's called Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story. Um, I have to say it is very much his side of the story. And, it is. And, and, it and, is. and everyone on the programme is there backing up his story. Um, mm. And uh, when, when, where, where there has been some um, scepticism or, or, or doubt about his story, it, it's only kind of put up as a... As a as an Aunt Sally to be knocked down again. So, well, just just to nitpick ever so slightly, you called it a movie. It's it's a documentary. Yeah, a documentary uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, there's a there's a different. Movies are fictional, tend mm. to be fictional, or which I mean, some would argue that for Stan Romanek's story, I'm I'm certain. Um, um, pe- people do, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, um, watching it, I saw. I saw. He, I mean, he's he's got a a vast amount of video footage uh, to back up his claims of um, um, UFOs and ET visitations. Some of it, some of it, um, you could could easily be faked. And and Stan mm-hmm. himself says that the the thing he's gotten the most flack about is there's a section where there's an ET looking in the window. He thought he had a peeping tom, he says. So he set up a camera and they see his little ET pop up and look in the window and pop down again. And you see one bit where Stan actually goes into the room and and looks out the window, then does this sort of hop back, which looks a bit it looked a bit like bad acting to me. It's, <laughs> <laughs> bit stage, but yeah, you can see how that could easily be faked. You can go down to any kind of joke shop and get a, a, a model ET and you know, a little puppet or something that pops up. The same with the one peeping around the French windows as well. Um, well, the 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 other one, the one peeping around the French windows, um, that one you is a little more complex. You do see it blinking. Uh, yeah, but there could still be a puppet or someone in a, uh, a costume. Theoretically, yeah. Uh, but, um, but the thing I, I decided was, well, this is, I guess you've got to be fundamentalist about it, like the Bible. You either believe it or you don't. And if, if any of this is faked, then that leads to suspicion that a lot more of it is faked. Well, I uh, I, I, I don't know. Um what I will say is... I'm going to disagree with you, <laughs> surprisingly. I'm, I'm sure what, what I'd say is, Stan, if you're listening, feel free to come and put me right. But all I'm oh, saying yeah. is, I'm not saying you faked it. What I'm saying is, there was a lot of stuff there that I thought, well, I could probably fake that. It um, was fakeable. Fakeable, yes. So not necessarily fake, yes. but fakeable. Given well, let's... Um, yeah, I mean, so one of the things that, that strikes me about his story... Um, is that this could almost be you like you, you get a list of all the different things that's happened to him or mm. allegedly happened to him that he claims um it could be literally a list of every possible ufo type encounter that there is on the books mm. Uh, one got, through seven, isn't it? Uh, oh yeah, the closing character, <laughs> great, yeah, which we talked about in a previous yeah. episode. Well remembered. Um, yeah, he talks about um, UFO sightings. He talks about um, psychic contact uh, with aliens, like you know. And he talks about them them putting equations in his head that he then writes out in his sleep. He talks about abductions. He talks about wounds. Um, which leads on possibly to, of course, to alien implants. Mm. Uh, he talks. There's, I mean, the, the only thing I feel 
is almost missing his like crop circles but even then there's like scorched round areas in his garden on his on the grass um and things like that uh he talks about injuries being repaired Mm. um there's even uh evp which is electronic voice phenomenon Mm. um which is normally more associated with the paranormal with the paranormal aliens comes under mm. that stupe um with ghosts and such like and contacting people from the other side mm. um well that he he's had that done in his house and that got allegedly positive uh results there's uh references to like you know shadowy government operatives like men in black almost threatening him or mm. attacking him uh orbs plays a part in it i'm just going through my list here uh there's videos that we talked about of actual alien entities he's had phone calls allegedly from alien entities uh there's comes into the hybrid children thing he's come up with stuff under hypnotic regression um it is just a list of every possible type of alien encounter that there's ever been Mm. I would like to point out the contrast between the movie, uh, the documentary, Extraordinary, and what happens if you Google Stan Romanek and look at his Wikipedia page. They come from two diametrically opposite directions. Um, well, do you know what? I, right, I was in two minds whether we should be going into his uh, his criminal conviction. Um, um I mean, I think I think let's let's talk about it now. Okay, um, let's to clear the kind air, of get it out the way a little bit. Yeah. So I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking about it, partly because of the the subject matter, uh, but in a in a bigger scheme of things, because um, there are things that he claims and alleges uh, that by giving it airtime almost sounds like being an apologist for him mm. um but let let's I, let let's address the elephant in the room because it, it's the first thing it's the first thing let me read the first sentence on his wikipedia page stanley tiger in inverted quotes stan romanek born 1st of december 1962 is an american author alien abductee claimant and convicted sex offender for child pornography crimes. That's the first sentence you'll read on Wikipedia, so we can't not really address that. And to, to mm. get a measure of the kind of person we're dealing with and, and his defence. Um, on the 8th of August 2017, he was found guilty of felony possession of child pornography. On the 14th of December, same year, he was sentenced to serve two years in a community corrections facility. He's now a registered sex offender in the Level 3 programme for severe deniers. So he's unable to use computers. I was going to suggest, Stan, if you want to ever get in touch with us and, and, and put us right on anything, yeah, that'll probably be a bit difficult for you. Um, although he's, he's unable to use computers unmonitored or contact children under 18 without special approval. Um, he was resentenced on the 30th of November 2020 to 10 years of sex offender intensive supervised probation for violating the terms of his original sentence. I don't know what he did to violate, it doesn't say what he did to violate his sentence, but I guess just using a computer unsupervised would do that. That would do that, but it's probably not a good idea for us to speculate about what it might have been. No, we're, not, um, we're not trying to excuse uh, him. From, 
from both sides of that yeah, now, coin. It, it, it's only uh, mentioned in the documentary as an epilogue and really is just words on the screen saying that he was convicted. However, and that it brings up news headlines of people apparently having child pornography put on their computers by a virus. Well, Which, when um, when the documentary was released, so you've got to look at the timings of these things, he had been arrested. He didn't mention when he was arrested. You said about him being convicted in 2017. Mm. Um, he was arrested back in February of 2014. So that's a long time. I, it, I don't know how long these things normally take. I've, uh, um, I'm, I'm thankfully very ignorant of okay, such and, things. And, and there are some gaps here. So what was he arrested for that made the police take his computer? Uh, he was arrested uh, under suspicion of child pornography. But he... I mean, normally, if someone suspects of, of child pornography, it's because they're in communication with other paedophiles. And there's, there doesn't seem to be in any indication that he was. No. So the end of the documentary, because uh, you've raised that, um, they they make a point of saying that the, that he had been arrested, mm. um, but that he will have his day in court and his side will be heard. And you know, before you're too quick to judge. Bear in mind there's all this. And yes, they come up with uh, a number of headlines from different publications uh, that claim evidence of um, viruses causing child pornography to appear on computers and FBI planting child pornography on computers and things like that. They don't say this is what's happened to him, but they're saying... Keep an open mind. Uh, it would be a very good way to discredit someone. Um, it well, yes, and it has been shown that there have been government programs that have done exactly that. Hmm. So yes, there there is that. Um, in the run up to his trial, Stan Romanek was saying an awful lot that you know he was going to blow all this up and it was going to be all in court about you know how he'd been set up and and what have you um i believe under the advice of his counsel he didn't hmm. uh and i think the judge made a comment about um you know keeping the whole ufo thing out of the hearing hmm. completely um, but yeah, I believe it was under the advice of his counsel, and I might be wrong about this. And I hold up my hands. This may be incorrect, but I believe he did plead guilty. Mm. Now, pleading guilty, <laughs> we know historically, doesn't necessarily mean guilt. No. Um, if if the evidence is overwhelming or you believe that there is simply no way out of a thing the best thing you can do is plea bargain mm. then people will plead guilty even if they're not well do you know the majority i mean there are something like three million prisoners in the american prison system most of them have never seen the inside of a courtroom they've been offered a deal and they've been told you know if you plead guilty if you cop a plea for this you'll get five years or whatever if you don't you'll go to court and however much you might think you're innocent, there's a very good chance you'll be found guilty, in which case you'll never see the light of day again. You'll go to prison mm. for 50 years or 100 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because it will save the state a lot of money. It will save the it, state. You know, and, and so it, yeah, the are not cheap. The, the majority of people in prisons in America have not been put there by mm. a court. They've, they've copped a plea. So, yes, there there is all that. Um, I mean, the bottom line is he was found guilty um, mm. and, you know, he served his time and as you say you know he's he's currently under probation uh and under supervision mm. for that um i think that's probably the best place to draw a line under it and and yeah i, I don't know whether it'll come up again in in other elements of this story um but i think it it's not our place to draw any conclusions one way or another. No, but um, there, there must in be this some case. Reason, yeah, how how he came to be suspected of having this. Um, I mean, I, I know from my own time in the intelligence services that one thing that they they will do is is traffic analysis. That, for instance, if I'm a if I'm a, a known convicted paedophile, and I send you a large encrypted file. Even if they can't break the encryption, they've got good reason to believe, they think, well, that's a good reason to put you on the network. Mm. And then if you further distribute that large encrypted file, you aren't the only then part of the network. So when, when they do round up the network, they'll be getting all these people who have shared these files. I mean, might, eventually they might be able to break the encryption. But that's generally, it's generally by distributing things that you get get caught. Um, I've, I've worked in places where they say, okay, we know that you might get junk on your in your email you might get jokes or or odd videos or whatever we're not going to do anything if you just receive something because nobody can help what they receive but if you start passing this stuff on then we're gonna yeah then 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 there could be trouble so okay that's that's um (laughs) that's food for thought because as we do a number of podcasts uh you're you're always sending me files some of them quite large files. <laughs> quite, quite large files, yes. Um, just clarify for our, our viewers, I'm, I'm recording this on a standalone Zoom microphone <laughs> and at the end of this recording, I will I will re-transfer this over to Stu and he will edit it into his own recording. Um, yeah. Are you recording on the same device or are you using something else? But he, he will No, I, so I record directly into GarageBand now. Right, so that, that that's <laughs> lifting the curtain on our on our yes. on our magic here. Uh, other other digital recorders and editing software uh, is out there, folks. Yes, other other products are available. <laughs> yes, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, so uh, so that's that side of the. I mean, I one of the reasons I'm hesitant to kind of go into much is you will hear people say things like, "Well, there's no smoke without fire," and hmm. uh, I, 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 I honestly, I'm sitting so much on the fence with that whole thing. I would not like to call it one way or another. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, I, I don't think we have to particularly like someone, or or accept their lifestyle or anything like that to to look into their claims. We're, we're here to talk about UFOs and yes. and paranormal phenomena and such, extraterrestrial phenomena, and if someone who's making these claims happens to be, you know, the worst kind of criminal. Um, we, we can still take an interest in their claims and and look at how well they stand up, which is which is what we're doing here. When we're certainly not defending child pornography. Now, um, 
as I said, the Wikipedia page is is much less kind to to Romanek than than his own claims. Now, th this bit of video he's got with the with the extraterrestrial peeping through the window, mm -hmm. or peeping around the French curtains. Um, Grandpa Gray, I believe. Grandpa it's Gray to it us. has been called the Boo video. Here's the mm -hmm. alien popping up and saying boo, and that's what it looks like. Um, now, someone suggested that Romanek take a lie detector test over the authenticity of the Boo video. Um, Romanek agreed to this test. Um, when it was conducted later that year, he failed the question, is the Boo tape a hoax? He alleged without evidence that he had medical conditions that prevent a lie detector test from working on him. Um, he, he also um, alleged, uh, again without, without evidence, um, that he was set up by this guy, George Norrie, to fail. Um, Romanek made an unverified claim that he consulted a video expert stating without evidence that the Boo video would have cost $50,000 to fake. Um, I don't believe that. Um, a paranormal claims investigation group, like our friends in Utah perhaps, is in this case it's the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society, said they produced their video for about 90 bucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I, 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 if he's getting charged 50 grand for it, then... I, I can give him my card and do it for a lot less. Um, mm. Just to clarify one thing, that you, now you talk about a lie detector test. Yeah. Um, now, technically, mm. it's not a lie detector test. It is a polygraph. A polygraph. We call it a uh, lie detector, but yeah, it's we, a polygraph. We call it that, and it's it's a misnomer because it is not... It, it A polygraph can't tell if you're lying it can only measure well literally it's it's measuring different things it's Poly, measuring meaning your, many yeah and and graph you know it's putting the monograph it, so it's measuring your heart rate your stress levels your uh, how much you sweat i think there, your, there's a number your, of different your, things your physical response to being asked a question and having to answer it and um which yes. would then be interpreted by an expert now polygraphs they're, they're, they're used in the United States. There's, they're not accepted in the United Kingdom or, or pretty much no. in, in anywhere else in Europe or, or even the rest of the world because they're, they're regarded as, as just... Some, unreliable. Sort of unreliable, just, just pseudo-scientific claptrap. Well, it, it measures stress. And mm. here's the thing. It, it'd be very easy in a test like that... They go through a series of questions, you know, is your name Stan Romanik? Well, that's mm. a nice, easy one to answer. Yes, it is. You know, are you however many years old? Mm. Yes, I am. Do you live in Venezuela? And give me an incorrect one yeah. to measure what a no, you know, what a what a false positive yeah. looks like. Um, and uh, things like that. So they'll run through this test. When it comes to the important question, the one that you're there for, the one that your entire credibility hinges on. When they ask that question, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a blip in your stress levels just by them asking the question. Yeah, well, I think not just the question, but they can just change their tone slightly yep. to, to make it more stressful. Anyone who's ever watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire knows how, in, in this country, Chris Tarrant... How does that? You know, when they answer the question and he says, "Are you sure?" There's ten thousand. Mm. There's ten thousand pounds riding on this. Are yeah. you absolutely sure? 
Is that, is that your final answer? You know, that, yeah. <laughs> and you can see them getting more and more stressed. So, yeah. 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 So, um, we, in, here in the UK, officially, we think polygraphs are a load of bollocks. Well, <laughs> right. So, I'm going to... I'm gonna. <laughs> sounds like I'm doing a U-turn now. I wouldn't say they're a load of bollocks. I would say they are useful. Um, and they are... They can be very, very useful tools, but I think we need to exercise some caution in how we interpret the results and how much faith we put in the results. Mm. I think they're great for giving indications of stress, but they need to be more looked into rather than a... It's not a binary thing of like, are they telling the truth or are they not? Mm. It, it's not as simple no, as it's that. it's down to interpretation, which is subjective. It is. It is. Do you know what, though? I mean, we're, we're, we've already hit our time for this <laughs> episode. So what we're going to do, listeners, is... Uh, this is going to be, and it's our first, Neil, it's exciting, our first two-parter episode. Wow. That's that's discounting any live episodes. <laughs> yes, <of course. laughs> we, we still haven't, so we're recording this before we do our live episode that you yes. will hopefully have seen or listened to. I'm, I'm expecting that one to be a multi-part well, episode. Well, I've, I've made a conscious effort not to talk about anything that we're going to be talking about next week which is which will actually be put out um well, we, before we, this one so well we don't know yet because it's still not really been released properly yet here no uh so we will be finding out i'm excited to see what we will have put yes. out there <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm 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 interested to see what uh, what, we're, we're what going we to, said what, what we're going to do in the past yes. yeah. uh fantastic but yeah Join us next week when we will be going into some of the nitty-gritty details of Stan Romanek's experiences, or alleged experiences, should I say. Um, yeah, in the meantime, uh, keep watching those movies and documentaries. Not and the kinds of movies that, that Stan Romanek had on his computer, you know. The, one, the ones on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I'd better just put that in front of the safety. Just because, don't, don't need to be seen to be uh, exhorting anyone to do anything that could get them into big trouble. No. Stay safe out there, folks, and don't do anything to get yourselves in trouble. Good advice, always. Always good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye bye. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.